0: just came out a few weeks ago um is uh, lithium direct lithium extraction right so they're pulling they're pulling lithium out of oil field brine which i love that angle you know you had you have these brine pits that have been filling up for for the last 40 years and they figured out a way to extract lithium from them and there's something like this particular company that i'm following they have a contract with a small canadian oil producer up in alberta and there's something like 4.3 million tons of lithium dissolved in oilfield brine. They figured out a way to extract it at like 97% efficiency.
1: Hey folks, welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. My name is Jason Freert. I'm here with Alex Quitman, the director of Microcap Insider. Is this our first podcast? No, this isn't our first podcast together.
0: No, we did, uh, we did the one with... Brian. last year Oh, yeah, with his infamous
1: prediction that he won't uh, stop I, talking about.
0: Yeah, I actually I had a few things to say about that. Prediction. Oh,
1: yeah, let's let's get right into it.
0: Yeah. So um, if you go back and look at that podcast, uh, I remember his famous words were, that's a sign of a bottom. Now, why did he say that? He said that because right before that he said that I said that I had just taken some of the big, biggest risks of my life in private equity right and you know put a bunch of money into a bunch of non-public companies and that my strategy was to keep that money invested uh and not uh illiquid during you know the during the coming turmoil that we were all expecting and so he said that's a sign of a bottom and then of course you know he's been talking about it ever since but he said it but who actually put their money where their mouth is (laughs) i did that's right. right. So that's, I feel like the true prediction came through my actions, which came a couple of months before all that. And uh, your next question is probably how did all that go for me? <laughs> uh, most of those companies are still not, not trading. Yeah. And the reason that they're not trading is because um, just m- micro caps in general, which most of those companies would be if they were to IPO, they, I think that they they come last in terms of you know, with the greed returning, they they're they're the last that investors start piling back into because they are the most risky. They are the most speculative. So.
1: Right. So those those private deals that you're talking about, they're still are they still raising money or they're just waiting for the market to kind of be um, better time for them to go public?
0: A couple of them are still raising money, but they are raising money at much higher prices. Right. So that's already a good thing. A couple of them are waiting. Um, two of them are biotech deals, and they're waiting for milestones before they go public because they want to go public at a higher price. So I mean,
1: the IPO market in general has been pretty abysmal. Yeah, it has. And so, I mean, what's the biggest name that's gone IPO recently? I can't even thinkable.
0: Yeah, I, I used to keep much better track of uh, new IPOs. But uh, I, I sometimes look at the IPO calendar and my TD account. And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty empty compared to like two years ago when you would have a couple every day, you know, three or four a week at least. Right now, it's pretty quiet. Right. It's also summertime. So it's yeah. it's like the worst of the worst. But uh, yeah, you're supposed to invest when there's blood in the street, right? So that, that was the plan,
1: right? And it's it's easy to say, but it's harder. Like you said, it's harder to actually do. Oh yeah, yeah. It really is. I talked about this with Hammer last week about the idea of contrarian investing makes sense, but the reason that it's so hard is because you're staring down the face of
0: of the trend of blood. Yeah, right.
1: right. And we talked about, I mean, one of the things that was kind of glossed over that Brian still brings up is, you know, Bitcoin and cryptos at the time was the mm-hmm. same thing. It was like the whole uh, Sam Bankman Fried thing, like, you know, is crypto done? And I think it was trading at like 15, 16,000, you know, and that ended up being the bottom, at least in this cycle as well. Yeah. So it's, you have to look for these signs. And I think over. To me, it's almost like a skill that you have to learn over a period of time. Of like, yes, I see this signal in the market. Everybody is saying everybody is down on this particular thing, but everything else tells me that it's the right call. I'm going to go ahead and and pile in.
0: Yeah, um, and you know who, you know by that by that reasoning, who wants to be anything but a contrarian? I mean, if you just go with the pack, by definition, you're never really going to get too far. You know, like you'll, you'll, you'll make incremental gains and if the market is trending upward, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll do okay, but you're ne- you'll, let's just put it this way, you'll never be a speculator, which is what I like to call myself and I always have, and I guess that's just a nice word for a gambler, but yeah, you, you have to, when everyone else is really nervous, you have to be brave. The problem is you're, you'll be nervous and brave at the same time and you're gonna be up at night and you know, nauseous and, and sometimes vomiting and you have to not sell.
1: Right. So. And that's – I mean that's a great segue into the, the whole money management side of things because at the end of the day, most people that put their money with somebody, they they say that it's because of that, that they don't – that they want to sleep at night or whatever. They don't want to have to worry sure. about it, but it, essentially that becomes a, a loss avoidance issue with – you know, people don't take their money out of a money manager for, you know, not, you know, making money. They do it because they lost too much and they've right. lost trust. So then the money managers and the financial guys are – the the last thing they want to do is lose your money. And so they end up just putting it into an index fund while still collecting fees.
0: Well, I think the last thing they want to happen is for you to leave. That's the last thing. Right. They, them losing money, you know, they're still making their their commission. So – their their interests aren't necessarily aligned with their clients' interests, which everybody knows. This the financial industry is parasitic by definition. They have to take some off the top, um, and I don't want to shit all over them again because I do have we do have assets with a money manager, but yeah, these are assets that I don't want to keep track of. I trust him. I, he spends all day looking looking for good investments and. You know, and conservative investments uh, like fixed income type stuff that will bring in, uh, you know, sort of a predictable amount every year. And I as much as I spend thinking about investing and stocks and all that stuff, I don't want to think about that. And that's what he's paid to do. I think that most people who don't have the time, like, you know, doctors and lawyers who are working 16 70 hours a week doing 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 other stuff, they shouldn't. Uh, be thinking about their investments that much they should put it somewhere and just know that they're going to make a certain percentage but the i mean of the you area. can
1: do that without a money manager right you just put it into an index like uh, put it into spy yeah yeah you just and do you don't have to does. pay sure. right
0: yeah i mean i, I manage my ira um, for example and uh i maybe i'm a fool but i i still think that <laughs> i still think that they you know those guys that you know they go to business school and they they do this full time. They they still have some knowledge and expertise that's uh, that's worth using. Just you know, don't don't expect them to make you rich by any means.
1: Right, that's not. So you're doing that in you know planning for retirement, a uh, safe investment, and you're 100 of your focus when you're running your letters is speculation, the big home runs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and right. private investing, and that's that's where. The, the big money comes in. That's where the money is made. Where were most of the, your, um, what sectors were most of the investments that came from last year? And we're, we're talking about off-market private placement deals, right? Which yeah. is typically the focus in your first call newsletter. Yeah,
0: um, so uh, on the heels of the beginning of the war in Ukraine, there's a lot of oil and gas deals. That was actually probably the only stuff that was getting actively financed is oil and gas deals for obvious reasons because prices went up Uh, and it coincided with a lot of fear in the market generally so the financing kind of started to taper off in other sectors but there it was fairly active Um, something that's coming back right now I've noticed is lithium right Uh, lithium uh, lithium mining lithium extraction battery companies Uh, so that's obviously that's playing into another trend that's more than just emerging now it's already emerged so, yeah the
1: ev metal trend has been something you've been uh, on yeah. top of for i mean i guess years now
0: yeah and, and batteries in particular just next gen batteries i mean right now we're hearing a lot about um solid state batteries right so that's like the next big thing uh if you if you've been reading the news the last couple of weeks you saw that toyota is uh they just released their kind of Timetable for the next uh, like three or four different releases of of generations of solid state batteries all the way to the end of the decade, and so those are all still lithium batteries by the way they're just they, they right. have, they have so, a different electrolyte
1: yeah do you want to sort of. Explain what the difference is between a solid-state battery and sure. your traditional, I guess, lithium-ion battery.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, you still have a you still have lithium as as one of the key materials, but the difference is that the electrolyte, which is the medium through which the electrons flow from the cathode to the anode, um, is solid, as the name would suggest. It's not liquid, and the problem with uh, liquid electrolyte is that when it heats up. There's a lot of oxygen dissolved in that liquid, and there's also a lot of organic compounds. And so what happens when you raise the temperature enough is that the oxygen starts to bubble out, and if you have ever seen a, a battery expanding and, like, puffing out, that's what's happening. Uh, if you apply enough heat, it, it will catch fire. And that's, you know, one of the main problems with, with standard lithium-ion batteries is, that is the fire hazard. But with a solid-state battery, you have a solid electrolyte that obviously you can't boil it, no matter how hot you make it. Well, there's a limit to everything, but any normal temperatures that charging will generate, they're not going to create a fire hazard. They're also much smaller. The electrolyte portion of the battery is much smaller, so it takes up less space. It's got a higher energy density. So what you have is a battery that can hold more energy. It can charge faster and it's also significantly reduced fire hazard so
1: yeah the fire hazard is a big thing it's as we yeah as we've personally witnessed i think you uh, I was there and i was in the office you were in the office yeah. when our hoverboard that we did get off of amazon that was probably shipped over from china yeah started smoking popping yeah. and we had to put it out in the fire escape um, and yeah it, it it luckily we were in the office at the time and we could we use the um the fire extinguisher to put it out yeah. but i mean you're it's seemingly almost every week you're hearing of apartment fires you know of you yeah, know when New people York. were sleep are, right. are sleeping
0: and and the reason behind those is uh, most of those fires uh, are caused by e-bike batteries, and so e-bike batteries are uh, like big cities like New York, uh, you have a, like uh, e-bike sharing services and stuff. A lot of those batteries are refurbished and recycled. And right. They're they're done uh, in a way that isn't really regulated yet, and so you just get substandard uh, used up batteries essentially that should be thrown out altogether, and they're they're putting them back into. Back into uh, the cycle, you know, back into use, and uh, they're the biggest fire hazards there are. And so right now they're passing regulations on, on how they have to be recycled, how they have to be refurbished, when they have to be thrown out. Uh, and the the problem is going to get bigger and bigger, obviously, because all these batteries are aging. There's only a certain number of charge discharge cycles that any any rechargeable battery can can withstand. And you know they want to they want to squeeze as much usage. Right. out of each one as they can. And it's going to become even more common in poorer economies where they don't have really new batteries at all. They, they're all coming from elsewhere. It's a secondary market. So, um, you know, for years now, airlines have been regulating. Uh, well, they've been telling you if you can bring a charged battery, a spare battery on board, how you can store it. And so, right. you know, they... There
1: was a time, I think there was a certain <clears throat> Samsung model that they wouldn't let you bring. On right. planes yeah. because it was, it was known exploding. known to explode. Yeah, I mean, could you
0: imagine that if you have one in your not in your carry on but in your checked luggage if a fire breaks it's out? It's down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're
1: by the time you know, yeah, you'll you're just done. Have
0: smoke in the yeah. I mean, it's it's a bomb basically, and so that's a big problem, and that is that is an issue that solid state batteries are going to really really. Uh,
1: so I've prepare. heard of solid state batteries for a while. What what has been you know, why is now they're thinking it's time, like the technology, you, you mentioned all the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. What has been the holdup of getting them into production? Just the technology, the...
0: I think that the main holdup is what usually the case is, is that the bench the current benchmark was, first of all, they, they know how to produce it. It's already, all the machines are tooled to produce it. It's cheap. And so like, how do you retool a company like CATL? It's the biggest battery maker in the world. It's it's gonna take years and billions of dollars for them to retool to solid state batteries. So the biggest holdup, I think, is that it's just, it wasn't financially, it wasn't lucrative for them to do it. But if one person does it, if one company does it like Toyota and they start releasing cars that suddenly have a 900 mile range and they charge from 20 to 80% in 15 minutes then everyone's going to have no choice. You know that's that's going to be the new benchmark. So, I think it's just it's not so much complacency. It's it's it was economy that was that
1: right, was and the it was the the lithium ion batteries for your cell phone. They were good enough. They yeah, were, you know they, they, they got better explode. all the time.
0: They don't explode that often. I mean, you know they just it's just. But is the
1: off. so is the solid state push is it specifically a safety thing but it sounds like it's it's everything it's benefits like it, it can be smaller it can charge faster it can hold it, do they still have the cycle like a certain number of cycles that they, they last longer
0: get? yeah they they last longer so uh, yeah like they they fail cell by cell from from what i understand and so just the, the rate of failure is slower and the problem with uh, the the current lithium ion batteries is that it's that it's that cell failure uh that creates the fire hazard because the more of the individual cells that that become inoperable well, n- no longer usable the more resistance you get the more heat you get during charging. right and so uh they become a fire hazard progressively more with each charging cycle i think right now that uh current batteries are like three to five hundred cycles charge discharge before they really start to kind of just lose their ability to hold the charge and they get hotter and hotter yeah every time you use them with uh with the solid solid state batteries it may be 50 percent more twice as much even so it'll be a significant difference
1: so you're you're talking about toyota and you know like electric car batteries but i'm assuming these are these can be used anywhere sure uh right I'm but is that the big focus because the, you know those batteries are big and they're you know uh,
0: they're the biggest and they're the most expensive so uh i mean i would actually you know just intuitively i would expect this technology to appear in consumer electronics you know at least you know on, on the along the same time frames yeah i mean
1: laptops cell phones
0: yeah all that and, and that'll happen uh Soon enough, that'll happen. Uh, The thing is, uh, it's it's a lot. uh, Like the amount the the amount of miles that you can drive in your EV is. It's I think it's directly proportionate to how many people are going to be buying that car. You know, like few I think few people really consider how many charge discharge cycles your cell phone battery is going to last, or how many minutes it's going to go between. Even though they do advertise that with a car, the its range is. It's yeah, like one of the key metrics. Range that you look
1: anxiety, at. I think, is what they call it. Right. right. And I've just from talking to, you know, the average Joe on the street, that seems to be the number one hesitation. Sure. It is. is. I don't want to get stuck somewhere and, you know, run out of juice, so yeah. to speak. And I mean, because is- we've all, you know, had our cell phone you know run out of battery we've course. all had a laptop battery so it, it's kind of built in and you're like well that's if that's my car right that's
0: bad well your car's supposed to tell you you know it's supposed to start warning you yeah. and uh, it's but then you got to hope that
1: i mean it's more common now you got to hope you're within there's a gas station depending on where you live in the country you can find a gas station pretty pretty accessible <clears throat> but an EV charging station.
0: You don't know where they are. Yeah, and it so, and you got
1: to sit there for you know you're thinking 20 30 minutes.
0: Right. The way Tesla deals with this is that they just you know the car knows where the nearest charging station is. It knows how much range there is. And it's going to drive you to it. It's well, maybe not not yet, but it'll at the very least tell you. Look, yeah. you know, like you're if you don't get it here, you might be kind of screwed. Uh, right. Down the road, but the problem is. It's not always the same. like uh, I remember I was watching a YouTube video where a guy was reviewing a Rivian pickup and he uh, you know like Rivians are, are trucks and they have a, a shit ton of torque for the reason that you know they tow. They're built to tow up to like 5,000 kilograms, something like that. Don't quote me on that I might be off. but uh, obviously the the range that you can drive your truck changes drastically with what you're towing behind you. And so a rivian will go from like a 350 mile range to a 100 mile range if you're towing full capacity and so it's it's no longer the same as uh just filling up your tank you know like your your yeah i mean you have
1: a that (laughs) happens a little bit with cars you know what i mean um you know i was driving this weekend in the truck and we were in the mountains and the range was like oh you got 55 miles and then we started driving up and it was like dropping dramatically down um so i I think that's something people could deal with but if it's significant like that like 300 to 100 yeah you have
0: to you have to stay very vigilant basically and And people
1: look consumers don't want to do that exactly
0: they're getting less and less vigilant you know by the year they just they want to be lazier and the car does a lot of the thinking for you it does it's going to warn you but at the end of the day yeah it's like at least a 20 or 30 minute uh you know stopover that you're going to have to make which is a pain in the ass in and of itself um so yeah, anyway, going back to the original topic, that is the number one obstacle for prospective EV buyers. Is that they they don't want to wait that long to uh to be able to drive again. Americans suck at at, at patience, generally speaking. So a 900-mile range, that's I would guess that's about what people drive in a month, right? I know you drive way more. Yeah, but a
1: 900-mile range would be yeah, because right now you're teet- – I-, I think the better EVs are teetering on being comparable to your average car. Right. If you get the Gas upgrade – yeah, if you get the upgrade or whatever. Although, yeah. like, you know, my diesel truck will get – I got 600 miles on a um, – We have a,
0: big, on, on a a huge tank
1: On a, on a fill – yeah, it's a huge tank. But still, it's like – it's not like an EV – it's not like you can – I mean, I guess you can get the bigger battery, but – I think maxing out. Like, what's the best one on the market right today? now? It's
0: the Lucid. Um, I forget. It's uh, it's the Lucid Air, something or other. but it, it's a top of the line model, obviously, and it's just over five hundred miles.
1: Okay, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's still like a, you know you're waiting forty minutes for it to charge all the way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's. I it's think not people bad.
1: also the home charging is a little. It's an expense. You know, you gotta takes a long time. You know, get a fifteen you know fifteen hundred dollar two thousand dollar charger installed in your
0: any stuff to charge overnight. Yeah,
1: house, not everybody has a place to put it and all that kind of stuff, but I think the trend is pretty obvious that it's going towards EVs, the you know, the car. Met.
0: I mean, it's mandated, man. They're uh, in Europe, they're starting uh, ICE uh bans in like 2025.
1: So well, nor is it Norway? Norway? Norway, where they've made it basically it is it's you're stupid if you buy it uh, in, in ICE. It's, like
0: It's also he, they produce more oil per capita than Saudi Arabia. How weird is that?
1: It, they, yeah, they're fun. I think they're yeah, their sovereign wealth fund is is funded by their oil.
0: Well, they can just use the oil to produce electricity to charge your <laughs> EV. You know, make it make a lot of sense. Right. So, yeah, their Europe. Europe is going to start banning ICE sales. Um, they're considering doing the same thing here. So it's, uh, whether you like it or not, it's coming.
1: Right. So you might as well make money investing in there. Yeah. So, th- so is, in addition to this battery stuff, is that the big focus on playing this trend? Is there any other trends you're focusing on?
0: Uh, so, you know, it's, this isn't batteries per se. It's, you know, it's the, the precursor to the battery, which is lithium. So one of my favorite upcoming recommendations – well, no, it's already an existing recommendation for MI – It just came out a few weeks ago um is uh, lithium direct lithium extraction right so they're pulling they're pulling lithium out of oil field brine which i love that angle you know you had you have these brine pits that have been filling up for for the last 40 years and they figured out a way to extract lithium from them and there's something like this particular company that i'm following they have a contract with a small canadian oil producer up in alberta and there's something like 4.3 million tons of lithium dissolved in oil field brine they figured out a way to extract it at like 97% efficiency
1: and so these are the like alberta that's they're the oil sands right yeah, so yeah. they're using so
0: it's basically the wastewater of oil production
1: right cuz they're shooting water in there if they're doing the you know fracking mm-hmm. and so what do they typically are doing with the water it, just, it?
0: it collects in huge in, in these huge ponds, right? Okay. And then, so the way that this company's set up their deal with the oil company is that they basically they just they just stick their apparatus at some point in the process, and they cycle the brine because they don't care what's in the water for the purpose of fracking, right? Like they, it can be dirty, it could be full of anything, and they just pull out the lithium and put it right back into the pond. They can keep on fracking all they want, and uh, but so then, they're
1: partnering with these. So they're uh, they're partnering with existing operations that are mm-hmm. fracking stuff. Yeah. The one I think a couple I mean probably a couple of months ago the 60 minute story on the um lithium valley uh did, did you watch that no. where they were doing that but um geothermal I think it was a geothermal plant oh, okay. that was same thing. firing yeah, the thing so water goes same, down water comes back up right
0: yeah. Uh I mean, you know, there's a lot
1: more fracking operations then. Why
0: not? And it's like seventy thousand dollars a ton, which is what lithium is going for nowadays, but your production overhead is three thousand dollars a ton. It's kind of a no brainer. So, you know, this is a twenty million dollar company and it's sitting on something like three hundred and twenty billion dollars worth of lithium. That's not that's the coolest part about it is that they don't have to mine they don't have to like explore. They know exactly where it is. They just have to set up their operation. The, the, these little plants, and they they just process the water, pull out the lithium, and uh, you know it's good to go. There there's no there's no real guesswork going on here.
1: Are they paying the oil companies to?
0: There's some there's some like
1: Uh, set up shop there is there any other competition that they have to go against Uh,
0: um, there are a a couple of other companies that are operating you know the same general idea but market cap wise the next the next biggest company or next smallest company is like five times as big and the the biggest company in the space is like a billion dollar company and again this is a 20 million dollar company so it's it's nothing but upside this company's been in existence for two years uh, the stock's been trading for I think less than one, much less than one. It's just uh, just a couple of months, and so uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a shareholder. I will not say it outright, you know, um, proud to be one. So
1: so, and that's a that's a microcap insider that's play. It's a microcap
0: insider play. They are All doing right. a financing soon, so
1: okay. Uh, so how does that work for a public company then?
0: Oh, well, they just so I mean public. Co- what do you mean? How does it work? How do financings work for public companies?
1: Yeah, so they will. They are, you know, a the stocks trading for what
0: stocks trading for like 20 cents right and so they cents. they'll say hey
1: we're going to raise money at 15 cents or whatever yeah
0: they they raise money at um you know why so would
1: I, the question is why would someone want to do the financing versus just question. buying it uh, over the
0: so the for for the long sighted investor the benefit is in the warrants so they basically every share that you buy the money goes to the company, so that's like you know just proced- procedurally wise. They're trying to raise money. This isn't money. that's Right, it's just-
1: new shares are being yeah. issued.
0: Yeah, it's new shares being issued. Uh, they're getting operating capital, which is what they need since they're scaling up right now. But uh, for uh, the private placement investor, they they want the warrants. And what a warrant is is it, it's basically uh, it's like a little mini contract, a right to buy shares at a at a set price for a set number of months so for this particular company it's uh (coughs) the warrants are good for like three years after after you buy the after you participate in the private placement so let's just say that the warrants are priced at 25 cents or 30 cents that's higher than their than the stock is trading right now seems like a shitty deal but in three years the stock could be trading at 10 bucks and you're still buying them at 30 cents so it's free money it's a risk, and still. If,
1: yeah, and if you if the stock never doesn't go up to that price, yeah, then they just expire and yeah, it's yeah. kind of they're, they're worthless. So it's kind of like a, a free lottery ticket. You
0: don't you don't pay for the warrant until you want to exercise it, and you only exercise it when it's beneficial to you. So right, yeah,
1: and that's so that's just a little bit of a kicker to you know the investors.
0: I think that, that are, that's that's probably one of the number one draws. One of the one of the one of the strongest draws for private placements is that, it's that warrant coverage that right. that really I mean it's, again it's, because it's, when it's,
1: you do the private placement, your probably your shares are probably going to be locked up for a period of time, right?
0: Okay, yeah, like four to six months usually, which mm-hmm. isn't really that long. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, with the warrants, it's 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 risk free over uh, risk free upside that you can sort of like nobody can can argue with right. So, so
1: this recommendation is in Microcap Insider. It is. It's in. And are the people from Microcap going to get the information on the on the private placement, or is that sort of reserved for?
0: It's sort of reserved for, for first, first call, call people. Call because, gotcha. Yeah, that's the whole uh, that's the whole angle. Gotcha. So yeah, you would have to uh, subscribe. You know, click click subscribe as they do.
1: Package deal. We can set up a package deal. First call and Microcap we Insider. We can talk about that. Yeah. Okay. But why not? Yeah. Uh, Why not? Yeah. Okay. Flexible? Yeah. I think so. so. Well, we'll put information in the description, or you can, you know, email
0: or call, even. Or
1: call. Yeah. Subscribe.
0: That's the word.